You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra Podcast. I'm Josh Payne. It is June 8th, or maybe 9th or 10th or 11th, whenever you're listening. The year of our Lord, 2021, got a loaded mailbag. This is all Q&A twice a week on the best of weeks, and we got a loaded mailbag this morning. If you want to submit a question, joshpate706 at gmail.com. That's one way. You can also DM me on Twitter or Instagram at Late Kick Josh. I threw down the gauntlet the other night on Late Kick Live. I'm going to reiterate it right now. We want that Twitter account at 20,000 by the time camp starts, and I want 10,000 minimum on that Instagram account. we got some other things I'm working on, too, uh, with a number of you. Like, some of you guys regularly step up and help on things, even though technically you are not employees here. It's been a community effort, has been since we started here, and will continue to be that way. In fact, I would argue it probably will be even more expansive in nature this fall. So a lot of folks help behind the scenes, and they are you. You are the ones who help behind the scenes. So thank you so much. Remember, share this stuff. So that's all I ask. Share this stuff. Five-star reviews. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, 24-7 Sports YouTube. Follow me on the social accounts, at Late Kick Josh. That's how you help. I mean, that's what I ask for. Maybe one day down the road, we're having big events where you can buy tickets and you can come listen to us tell stories to each other that we can't really tell on air. Hey, that'd be great. The way to get there, the way to grow it to that point is to do the free stuff first. And so the easy stuff to me, click, click, click. That's really all it takes. Uh, This morning, I don't want to waste any more time because, as I said, we got a loaded mailbag and there's a lot going on right now. I think probably 100 of you had already DM'd me or emailed me before I opened my iJosh this morning. And it was about this article by Pete Thamel at Yahoo about the more likely route at the moment, according to his sources, for playoff expansion being 12 teams. Yes, I read it. I'm not going to make a huge deal about it. You know I've sort of backed off, not my stance, but just this topic in general over the last month or two. And it's not that I've changed my stance. It's just there's nothing really new to say. And what I always try and caution against is having anything I'm producing sound like what everyone else is producing. And I noticed there was a lot of overlap, more overlap than I was comfortable with when I looked around this space. And it's the dead time of year for a lot of folks. And it's like pulling teeth, asking people to create authentic content. And so a lot of folks were talking about playoff, playoff, playoff. And I just didn't want to be doing it. I still don't want to be doing it. But since there is somewhat of a new tidbit of information out there with this article this morning, I'll just tell you quickly, it's horrible. It's not unexpected. I don't know where you guys thought this was going. I think some of you out there who are in the let's expand it, but just to six or eight crowd, you may listen to people like me who are so steadfast against that and get so bent out of shape against that. And you think I'm the one with an issue and you think I'm the one who needs to be less rigid and you need to be more open to progress. This is not progress because it's not going to go the way you think it's going to go. You're sitting there, essentially what you're saying is, we're going to tear down the dam, but we're going to put a stop sign up, so we're only going to let the water go 200 yards further downstream. We're going to stop it there. You're not going to stop anything. You just can't see it. I'll tell you who I feel like. I feel like Alan Grant, played by Sam Neill in Jurassic Park. This guy with this Santa Claus beard and a billion dollars funding has this grand idea and he's found mosquitoes with dinosaur DNA fossilized in what they called amber. And so they've dug it up. This, by the way, all made sense to me as a kid. You find prehistoric mosquitoes with dinosaur blood still in them that got caught in tree sap. You extract the blood and thus dinosaur DNA. Then you take some other odds and ends from frog DNA, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And next thing you know, you 
you can create dinosaurs which grow up to be big dinosaurs and now we can control them and we can put them on a random island off the coast of Costa Rica and we can turn it into the biggest tourist attraction the world has ever seen. There's going to be nothing like it before or since. All we need to do is bring in some scientists and some paleontologists and some lawyers to sign off on the park. So we bring them in here and what do you know? They have pushback. Do you remember when you were watching Jurassic Park? And do you remember, because I do, I was a kid. I was pulling for the white bearded guy. I was pulling for him. He sounded fun. He sounded cool. He sounded like he was on my side. And then, as he put it, the blood-sucking lawyer comes in the room. And then you got Sam Neill over here throwing a wet blanket on everything. You got Ian Malcolm talking about life finding a way. And I didn't get that. And to be honest with you, I don't get half of it still, although it's entertaining. But I remember when I was a kid and I listened to Dr. Grant and Dr. Sadler and, you know, the white bearded guy's all excited and they're all monotone. You can't just suppress 65 million years of gut instinct. What do you think's gonna happen? We need to pump the brakes here. Well, that didn't sound fun. Six or seven year old JP wasn't on board with that at all. But you see, logic never sounds cool in the face of a grandiose idea. Rationale and a measured approach and principle and all that stuff, it never sounds cool when you got a fireworks show going on. What would you rather listen to? Would you rather listen to someone talk about preservation and integrity of this and that? Or would you rather watch the fireworks show? Well, of course you'd rather watch the fireworks. And so a lot of you are listening to these ideas about expanding a playoff and you get so much more emphasis on this conference championship and you get so much more inclusion and so much more of the country is invested and has an opportunity. It sounds great. I know it sounds great. It's why you have to dig beneath the surface a little bit and you need to understand these people's motivation is not your motivation. A lot of you out there love college football just like me. We have differing opinions of what's best for the sport. That's fine. As long as you genuinely love college football, we can have a conversation and disagree and still go to lunch afterwards. A lot of the folks pulling the levers here do not love college football. They put on that blanket over their face and they cut eye holes in it and they look at you and they're using that as a clever disguise when in reality these folks couldn't tell you the mascot for Kansas State if their life depended on it. They don't care about the fabric of college football. They don't care about anything other than conveniently money. We talked about this a month ago. We are the homeowners association here. Okay, it's ours. It's our sport. It's our product. And you're letting tourists come in and you're letting them completely redevelop your neighborhood. And guess what they're going to do afterwards? They're going to leave. They're going to move on to the next venture. They're not here anymore. They're going to take that blanket off. They're going to take that mask off that they put on to fool you and they'll be gone. And then they'll be back later on and they'll further screw up the sport. What you thought was going to be just a little bit of a change. We're just going to tweak. You're not going to tweak anything. You're going to over haul the entire sport, you're going to turn it on its ear, and the regular season in this sport, if you institute a double-digit number of playoff spots, will be unrecognizable from its prior form. You think that sounds sensationalized? It is. I'm just reacting to something sensational. A sensational response right now is directly in proportion to the sensational proposal of a 12-team playoff. But the reason why, to conclude this before we get into Q&A, I've had such a hard foot in the ground on four teams and then no more, hashtag four and no more, is because a blind man can see this coming. If you've got any experience in life, you understand they don't come to you initially and say, we're going to change everything about everything here. They come to you under the auspices of, well, we just need to tweak. You know, we just need to hammer this out. We need to nail that down. And you get on board with it. You get on board because you remember that one year where your team finished sixth in the country. And hey, if we would have had this system, I would have made the playoffs. Great. Wonderful. Wave the pom-pom. It doesn't stop there. 
There is no minor tweak. There is no tear down the dam but stop the water 200 yards downstream. It's a flood. It's inevitable. Once you start that process, it doesn't stop. That's why it's so imperative that some people, enough people, hopefully put their foot in the ground on stuff. I get so many of you in my inbox who I appreciate the correspondence with, don't get me wrong, but you'll say things like, well, I don't think there's any harm in trying it out. No, there is. There is because the alternative isn't there. Typically, when you say I'm going to try something out, you're talking about ordering something online from Amazon. I get a new white t-shirt. Oh, it doesn't fit. I send it back. No, in this example, you order the t-shirt and then Amazon disappears. There is nowhere to send it back. It's just yours now. You own it. This stuff does not go backwards. You don't expand these sorts of things. It's no different than government. We talked about it before. You don't expand something just to try it out, a little trial period here, and then we go back if we don't like it. There is no going back. And so if you're on my side of the fence on this, it's why you have to fight so hard on the front end. You know there is no back end. There is no trial phase. It just is. It will only get larger. The default setting will be that 8 or 12 or whatever it is is the new normal, and then you can only go forward. I just want you to think about this, and then I promise we are moving forward. I was on the phone last night with a buddy who's a big Michigan fan, listens to the podcast. I'll probably get a text or an emoji after he listens to this. And we were talking about if Michigan were to, you know, rebuild and they were to be a football power again. Imagine going into that last weekend. You can insert Alabama Auburn here if you want to. Imagine those teams being both highly rated and they go into the final weekend of the year, which is rivalry weekend for most of the sport. Imagine if you are number three or four rated Michigan or Auburn and knowing if you lose to Alabama or Ohio State, not only are you still going to make the playoff, but you don't even have to go play a conference championship game in order to make the playoff. You still know your profile is not going to be hurt by losing to the number one or two team in the country. And so you're still going to be in the playoff. It'll hurt you seeding wise. Yeah. In an ideal world, you'd love to be the higher seed, but now you don't even have to risk the injury of going to play in a conference title game. And then you're still going to make the playoffs. You're going to get two or three weeks to heal up. So you'll have your roster as good as it'll be. Of course, the postseason format favors the deeper rosters and the better teams, unlike the regular season, which is your best shot at knocking the bigger brand names off. Can you imagine the buildup? Because you know what it is now. If you have a highly rated versus highly rated matchup late in the year, rivalry weekend, there's no safety net under it. Two teams are going to walk the tightrope 50 floors above the cement. One's going to make it to the other side. One is going to be street pizza. That's the beauty of college football. That's what makes it must-see TV. You can be the dude who sits over in the corner and brings up the one or two purely straw man anecdotal examples of teams that didn't win their conference still making the four-team playoff. You can do that. I guess my counter to you would be, all right, well, let's go back to two then. So I don't even go down that road, but let's not get sidetracked here. My point is, you know what it feels like. If you were to have number four versus number two, Michigan, Ohio State, number three versus number one, Auburn, Alabama, you know what the ramifications are right now. You know that for two weeks, there would be buildup for that game and you know you could not afford to be anywhere else. Now I want you to try and imagine a world where you're going into what historically would be some of the biggest games in your lifetime in those rivalry series, and all of a sudden knowing both of these teams are going to make the playoff, and the loser doesn't even have to go to the conference title game, and we already know ahead of time they're still going to be in the playoff. You tell me that's college football. You tell me that's college football, and you and I just define the sport differently, and that's the end. I know it doesn't sound like it, but I just paused recording to go answer some, well, really when it boils down to it, pure ignorance in the Twitter DMs. Even as I was recording, I was having to deal with some of this. So look, we're going to hit the reset button. Let me find the button. Hold on. Um... All right, we're going to pretend that sound is the reset button. All right, we're all in a good, happy mood now. It's June. We're less... 
Mm. Bottle still popping. We are less than 100 days until kickoff. Okay, here we go. David has a question. David says, nothing markets better than scarcity. Do you think Alabama's recruiting classes could actually get stronger the closer Nick Saban gets to retirement? Now, David sent this before it was announced that Nick Saban has extended through 2028. David, so what David is suggesting is, could there be high school kids out there that know Nick Saban's the greatest of all time and he's only got X number of years left, so I got to go make it count while I can. I want to be able to say I play for the best. I think there could be some examples of that, David. I don't think that would be the norm. If if it were perceived that Nick Saban's days were numbered and he only had two or three years left max, I don't think that that would precipitate a rush of commitments that wouldn't have already happened. And it may even be the inverse. You may have some guys who would have previously committed who were turned off by the idea that the head coach that they commit to is not going to be there by the time they leave. Having said that, I don't think anybody in high school right now, junior class, senior class, I wouldn't be concerned about Nick Saban being there through the duration of my college career. I think he's going to be there. Unless health or something else gets in the way, I think he's going to be there. Davis, next up. I was wondering, do high-profile five-star recruits participate in these camps held at visits, or is it more for recruits trying to get offers? I ask this because I hear most of the time people are getting offers after doing drills and workouts the coaches want them to do to try and impress. But with five-star recruits, are they just there to tour the campus and talk to coaches? This is a case-by-case situation, Davis. What he's talking about right now especially is pertinent because you've got June, which means the dead period is over, which means schools are having camps every day. You got dozens and dozens and dozens of kids coming through. You'll have hundreds before the end of the month for some of these schools. And they are having camps and you're able to do some in-person evaluation. Well, what Davis is saying, and you're right in a lot of ways, is you got some three-star caliber guys out there who still feel the need to prove their worth. They've been told they have a conditional offer. And that's not an official term, but in reality, here's how it works. If I'm a three-star wide receiver out of Bossier City, Louisiana, and LSU likes me, and they want me, but they really want to verify with their own eyes my measurables, my ball skills, my top-end speed, my route running, they'll say, we're offering you conditional on you coming and working out in our camp. So I head to Baton Rouge for a wide receiver DB camp. I work out against some other guys who are defensive backs in my class, maybe some guys who are already on campus for LSU. And so I validate a lot of what they believed, then they offer me. And that's very common, Davis. But also... There are some five-star kids out there who know they already have an offer regardless, and they look at it as something that doesn't make sense from a risk-reward standpoint. They go and they already have the offer. They don't have to work out. So yeah, in a lot of cases, Davis, it is just about getting familiar with the staff, touring the facilities, touring the campus. I don't need to work out. I've already got an offer. You know, God bless me with such immense ability that I've put enough on tape that these dudes don't need to see me work out. That does happen. But also, Davis, there are some cases where guys have those five stars and they already have the offer and they just want to go compete anyway. Now, obviously, those are the ones that everyone wants because you don't have to worry ever about competitive character there. And you see a guy who is wanting to compete even though he has more to lose than he has to gain at that point, but it doesn't really matter to him. So it's a very much a case-by-case situation. Lee is up next. Lee says, what is the most underhyped Fleetwood Mac song? I think it's Tusk. Tusk is good. If you like Tusk, I would recommend you go to the 1997 live concert. I think it's called The Dance. They did it in LA. I think they filmed it at the Warner Brothers 
Brothers studio, which is important because the USC marching band actually came in and played Tusk with them. But Tusk is not my answer. A good submission there. I'm going to suggest that you go find a song called Family Man. Uh, it's a little bit different. It's not a mainstream pop sounding song, but there are classical guitar solos using an actual classical guitar in there that I think is some of the best work Lindsey Buckingham ever did. So I'm not going to waste a lot of time. I know all of you aren't fans of Fleetwood Mac, and it's a character flaw in you that you need to maybe square just with yourself in the mirror one night, but go listen to a song called Family Man. We'll leave that there. Moving on, Spencer says, hypothetical here, you can locate Pate State University in any conference you want. You have all the necessary off-field pieces to compete with anyone. Which conference are you joining? The Big Ten. By 10 miles, the Big Ten. Ohio State is Pate State. If you're presenting my product accurately, and it sounds like you are, Spencer, Ohio State is what Pate State would be. For those of you unfamiliar, Pate State is our hypothetical, imaginary university that is exclusive to the show. We have a yet-to-be-named mascot. I'm working on that. There are some hurdles to overcome. Sounds ridiculous, but there are. And so Pate State... Uh, fill in the blank, thus unnamed mascot, Pate State University, I'd put us in the Big Ten. The Big Ten, I'm going to make more money than any other conference in TV negotiated deals. And I also look at it across the landscape and I'm not watered down because I exist in and of myself. I'm like Ohio State. Ohio State is not dragged down by any given year the ineptitude of some other teams and some other programs or even some other administrators in their conference. Even this last year, when the powers that be in some cases behind the scenes wanted to derail the the Big Ten season, look at what Ohio State did. You had an email dump last week that kind of confirmed what we all suspected. Ohio State was like an SEC program up there. They were looking around saying, are you insane? What are you? Are you high on bath salts? We're not canceling our season. Do what it takes, man. Sack up. Let's get this season on the road. And that's how Pate State would be. I'd have all the proper investment. I'd have all the best facilities. And it wouldn't matter where I resided. It wouldn't matter where my pinpoint on a map is. I'd be just as good. I'd be able to compete with Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma. I would be like that. And so if I were to put myself in the most opportune position, you could say the ACC, I'd be Clemson. You can say the Big Ten, I'd be Ohio State. I'd pick one of those two, but I go with the Big Ten because that's just where the biggest paycheck is at the end of the day. You get an even bigger paycheck in the Big Ten right now than you do in the SEC. I want you to think about that. So Park, Pate State, right there in the Big Ten. Now we're going to get some pushback because I don't think our friends in State College, Pennsylvania, are going to be too pleased with a Pate State rolling in here when Penn State already exists. So certainly, we're going to have to pronounce the names of the teams very slowly, but Pate State, Penn State would be must-see TV. I wear a white t-shirt. You guys wear a white t-shirt. I think we'd have to probably have paper, rock, scissors right there at midfield to see who has to wear the solid colors any given time that we visit each other. But Pate State's coming to the Big Ten. I'll be happy to reside in the other side. I'll go to the other division, whatever you guys are calling that this year. Leaders, legends, East, West, North, South, spaghetti, tomato, I don't know what, but I'll, I'll go over there. You know, Ben actually had another question kind of tied into this. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, I'll tie Ben's question in because it's another Pate State question, but it's all about coaching. We'll do it when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. So Ben teed us up right here. Didn't plan it this way. As usual, you guys write the show way better than I could. Ben says, if you had to fill the head coaching job at Pate State and you could only hire one of the new coaches in the SEC, who would get the job? P.S. I recently got married and my wife and I listened to Late Kick on the way back from our honeymoon. I think she was a big fan. You know what? That gives me a reminder. So let me pause recording right quick, although it's not going to sound like I did it to you. All right. See what I said? Five minutes went by just like that. And it sounds like I never left. This reminds me of one of the podcast reviews that I got on Apple the other day. Reminder, five-star reviews. Pour them in. We're about to hit 1,500. So we're doing really good there, but we could always do better. So um, the person known only as Mud Duck. 147 submitted this the other day. JP is a one-man wrecking crew in the world of college football podcast. It, it actually sounds like a burner account, but I swear to you I did not write this. He continues, I'm currently en route to my honeymoon, and I have not listened all week so I can have a marathon of episodes on the flight to Cancun. My new wife has been quite surprised to find out it's a party of three. Myself, her, and Josh Pate. Keep up the good work. Go Gators. God bless. Again, I want to stress, these people are not related to me. They are not me posting under some false alias burner account. It's just authentic. It's the real deal. So I appreciate it. Love it. Uh, The testimonials I love, especially when you're involving Late Kick in the honeymoon process. Feel free to get as detailed as you want. I'll edit it for public consumption. I'm cool with it. I'll take all those submissions. So back to the question, which to be honest with you, I have to reread because I already forgot what the context was. Okay, so we're hiring a head coach at Pate State. From the new head coaches in the SEC, I got to cheat here because there's a second year head coach I want to hire. I want to bring in Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman really proved himself to me last year. Got to keep proving himself. That's the way that this world works. But when he came in, there was every reason for them to falter. I mean, every single reason in the world for Arkansas to stumble. They didn't have any kind of personnel recruited there, the likes of which you would think Sam Pittman would need to play his brand of football and yet they still were able to be competitive. They had games ripped from them last year, and I would argue still had a successful season, but more so than any of that, what contributed to that was understanding the culture. Arkansas understood who they are. That's why they didn't really pay a whole lot of attention looking at articles written at this website or that website or looking at coaching hot boards. They knew who they were. They know who the coaches are through the interview process and already having familiarity, and then they just find via the Venn diagram process, where does our culture and our needs as Arkansas overlap with what those coaches are. And Sam Pittman and Arkansas, they were a perfect marriage. Well, the reason I mention this is because I think Pate State has a lot of Arkansas in it. So I want to bring in a guy like Sam Pittman. He never has to fake it. Sam Pittman does not have to pretend to be Arkansas in this case. Sam Pittman doesn't have to pretend to be anything other than he is. His natural self sells. It sells to media, but it also sells to your fan base, your donors. But most importantly, it sells to prospects. They know they're not getting sold to. It's not some used car salesman coming in pretending to be this. And then as soon as he, you know, steps out of your front door, he goes and tries to throw up all the cooking of your mom he just had to eat. And he goes, because <laughs> he didn't want to breathe the air in that home. And he'd rather go pick up a $12.50 bagel at Starbucks on the way back to the private plane. That's not Sam Pittman. That's just not him. So he would fit at Pate State. 
that's the kind of coach I would want. And I know I kind of cheated there because he's not technically new, but he is kind of still new. So we're just going to have to roll with it. Next up is Deshaun. He said, what are some future Power 5 conference realignments that you'd like to see? And or if you could magically decide them, what would you like to see happen? Personally, I'd love to see Missouri, Texas A&M, Colorado, and Nebraska back in the Big 12 boomer sooner. I could certainly go for someone like Missouri just being parked in a place that's more geographically advantageous for them. I, I think West Virginia has no business being in a place where their closest road game is a thousand miles away. So I would definitely find a way to fit West Virginia in the ACC, maybe. I also, even within the SEC, think it's ludicrous that Missouri, I want to say, I, I'm trying to picture the map in my mind. Obviously, Arkansas, Missouri, and Texas A&M are the westernmost teams in the SEC, and yet one of those teams is in the east. Do you know how much further east Auburn University is than University of Missouri? And yet Auburn's in the west and Missouri is in the east. So I would redo that. Auburn folks have long pushed for that, by the way. There's been a significant push there to situate themselves in the east. And they look at Missouri and say, here's your fix. We just did it for you. You don't even have to hire an exploratory committee. But I think to go back to a point we've made before, Deshaun, the unicorn here, the white whale that we could never get accomplished, but I would still love to talk about anyway since it's June, is relegation. I think one of the things that European soccer and soccer overseas, what they get right is relegation. And it naturally takes care of a lot of the problems, and it would take care of a lot of the problems we have in this sport. Our problem is not the size of the playoff. It never has been. It only will be if you expand it. Our problem right now is not that. All of these top-heavy natures of conferences, it's just because you don't have enough good football. Good football is not reserved only for folks in Tuscaloosa or Clemson or Columbus or Norman or South Bend. That's not the way it is. There's nothing inherent about the system that only allows them to play good football. So a lot of you out there, you complain about how most of these conferences are garbage. I agree with you. You also complain that the top of the G5, they're really good, they're really innovative, but they can't get their foot in their door and they can't get a spot in the playoff. I also agree with you. Well, here's the solution. The solution is not to expand the playoff to allow the G5M. They don't play good enough conference schedules right now. But don't worry, UCF fan, they're mowing your yard in Orlando. Don't yell at the phone just yet because I got a solution for you. You guys working out at the gym, listening in Cincinnati, driving down the interstate in Houston right now. Don't worry. I got a solution for you. It's never going to happen, but it's not going to be because of me that it doesn't happen. Relegation is the answer. It is. What is relegation? May Some of you may not know what this is. What relegation is, is in any given year, you shave the worst performing teams, in this case, out. In other words, the way we would structure it in college is you have partner conferences. So take a P5 and a G5. Let's say the Pac-12 has at the Power 5 level the Mountain West attached to it as its G5 partner. Let's say the SEC and the AAC are attached at the hip as a P5-G5 partnership. Well, the way this works is at the end of the 2021 season, we take the worst performing team in the SEC and we drop them down to the G5 for next year. And then we raise the best performing team in AAC up to the SEC. And you do it every single year. And so I want you to think about this. Think about not only how it raises the level of competition because you know that there are serious ramifications for ineptitude. Imagine all of a sudden what we just did to manufacture interest because all of you want more interest late in the year, right? You want more meaningful games. All of a sudden, we're watching Vanderbilt versus South Carolina late in the year. Otherwise, we never would have cared about it. But we're about to see which team may get sent down. And we're watching 
Central Florida, and we may have already been watching that game, but certainly more eyeballs will be on those games because we're about to see one team is about to join us. One of these teams, it's going to be Cincinnati or Tulsa or whoever, they're about to raise themselves up to our level. And finally, you know, let's say it's Central Florida. Instead of playing this perceived inferior schedule and just touting themselves as being undefeated and us sitting here crowing about the fact that they wouldn't be undefeated if they played in this conference, we're going to find out how they do in this conference next year. They're going to find out how they do in this conference next year. You know what also happens, though? For every year that Central Florida or Houston or whoever it would be resides in the SEC, they get that cut of the SEC revenue pie. And every year that whoever it is that drops down from the Pac-12 or the Big 12 or the SEC, every year they drop down, they lose that huge cut. So I'll tell you what, you guys listen to these ridiculous proposals about playoff expansion all the time. I want you to tell me, if you can look me in the eye and you can tell me that an expanded playoff is going to make the sport more healthy than a relegation model would, again, you and I just look at the sport totally differently. And I don't think that there is any amount of debate week-long, month-long, year-long, that would change either person's perspective at that point. Relegation would be great. I'm for relegation in every aspect of life, and so I'm certainly for it in college football. And with that, I think we're done for this morning. A quick reminder, just a favor. I ask a favor every now and then. Twitter, at LateKickJosh. Instagram, at LateKickJosh. I humbly ask that you give me follows there and the five-star reviews in the podcast section on Apple Pods. If that's where you listen, it helps. And I'll tell you what else helps now that we're uh, winding down. Anytime you guys screenshot evidence that you're watching and you tweet it out, tag me in it. You put it in your Instagram story, tag me in it. That really helps. I mean, we get some incredible traction from that. That's organic. That's just you guys doing our marketing for us. I always appreciate it. Can't thank you enough. We're doing really good numbers right now, better than anybody says we should be doing. And I say we because it's it's your fault in a good way. It's you that's making it happen. So for today, producer Lance, Jordan's on vacation on, under a palm tree somewhere, dutifully listening to the show, no doubt. So for producer Lance today, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. And God bless. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.